I guess. And welcome to the Cowries and Rice podcast, the second best China Africa podcast you ever heard. Broadcasting from the heart of global China Africa research, Washington DC, I'm your host, Winslow Robertson, joined by my co-host, Yay! Um, today's episode is brought to you by our two sponsors, Africa Development Jobs and the Africa Daily. African Development Jobs, a site run by Nino Oduro, seeks to connect development workers with professional development resources and work opportunities in Africa. On a quest to help diversify development, it highlights the voices and issues of Africans and the diaspora in the field. It is also the best site for finding employment in the development field in Africa that I know of. The Africa Daily is an online communications platform that provides the most up-to-date journalist and academic information on China-Africa relations. The form, incorporated, the form incorporated in the website also facilitates the cultural and informational exchange among the diaspora communities in major Chinese and African cities. I'm going to go a little different today because we have a very super special guest that Dr. Kalu knows really well, so I'm going to let her do the introduction. All right. This week we have with us Ms. Marianne Daka, who's a business journalist from Zambia, based in Beijing, currently on leave in Lusaka, Zambia. Marianne and I go way, way back. We went to high school together back when we were very, very young girls. <laughs> uh, Marianne, thank you so much for being willing to be on this show with us. It's great to have you. How are you doing? Fine, thanks. Fine, Kim. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Wonderful. All right. So we're going to jump right in. Um, and talk about your story and how you wound up in Beijing. What what led to your move to Beijing and what and why are you returning? Well, it was in 2008. I had just graduated, uh, got my bachelor's degree uh, in South Africa. And then my dad, who's a journalist himself, um, sent me an email with this um, link to um, apply for my master's at um, Tsinghua University in Beijing, and he he really raved about it. He said, oh, it's sponsored by Merrill Lynch, Jonas and James L. Knight Foundation, Bloomberg, Deloitte and Tosh. So then I, I went online and looked at all the information, and I applied. Um, but I was a bit um, apprehensive because it was business journalism, and... If you can remember, I mean, we were in the same class, uh, economics class, and, and yeah. Yeah. I actually sat next to you and stopped the course <laughs> three weeks later. So, anyway, I thought, let's give it a try, diversify. And so, off I went. And then, of course, because the spotlight was on China at the time, with the Beijing Olympics, and the global financial crisis, so what way to... Um, see how the market works and everything like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well then, what kind of journalism, I mean, did you plan on doing before doing business journalism? Um, just um, journalism more on a humanistic level. Um, more like just general reporting about people's daily lives, nothing to do with the economy whatsoever, nothing to do with um, bonds and trade <laughs> and all that stuff. Yeah, nothing matters. So how did you transition? Um, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you go. 
How did um, I well, transition? I was, I was, yeah, how did you transition then from um, school to staying on to work in Beijing? I decided because um, my course was taught in English, so I didn't get to study Chinese. Yes. So I thought, um, you know, I've been in the country for this long, and I think it would be a waste to leave without properly learning the language. So I stayed on to um, study Chinese. And, and then, of course, then I started to work afterwards. I wow. extended my... Yeah. Well, that, that's a, that, sound, that sounds, pre I mean, pretty darn cool. Like, what, what was it like picking up Chinese for you? And, and what was it like maybe taking this master's program, which seems to be very internationally student-focused, versus maybe some of the classes that were designed for Chinese students that you might have come across? Actually, um, my course was designed more for international students because most of the professors were actually American. So it was more of the Chinese students adjusting to um, the American style of teaching. And everything was taught in English except um, like just a six-month um, Chinese class to learn the basics, Chinese language class. So it wasn't so hard. And I didn't have to adjust to anything as such. Oh, okay. And 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 how has your Chinese studies come along? <laughs> I take it by your laugh, they've come really well, and you're super fluent now. <laughs> I wish. Do you speak Chinese? Uh, I speak enough to gamble with my in-laws and lose a lot of money to my father-in-law, which I think is a good level, actually. Um, and and if if my father-in-law is ever hearing this, I like losing money to you, pops. Don't 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 worry about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you understand if I say. Um, Yes, I, 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 I understand. Um, and for our listeners, that just means I, I, I speak a little. Um, but then, oh, then why? Well, you know, I've I've seen that a lot of African students generally um, pick up Chinese uh, better than uh, maybe not not better quick in quicker than than their counterparts from from yeah. the US and, and, and Europe uh, and there's different theories for that I, I there's a certain there's a number of African indigenous languages that are tonal in nature um, I think Yoruba and and even Twi I think are, are, are tonal and um, but uh, what about you I mean did you see any of that the majority that pick it up really quickly are the French, uh, the Africans from French-speaking country, because then they can't speak um, English, and then there's no other language to communicate with <laughs> other people. So they tend, they tend to learn Chinese um, quicker, I think, because then we tend to speak more English when we're around um, other friends, I guess. 
I think. I, I, th I, that's, that's, that's really cool and not a theory that I came across at all, but that's, that, that's, that's pretty cool. Well then, I mean, or, or, or Dr. Kalu, if, 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 if you, you want to jump in so I don't monopolize all the time here. Oh, no, 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 that's fine. Um, we're having a conversation and that's wonderful. Um, maybe let's talk about perceptions because I think we've kind of segued a little bit into that conversation. Um, what were your perceptions of the Chinese before moving to China? And what are your perceptions now after you've moved to China? And what do you think are their perceptions of you in terms of... Um, you as a woman and you as a as an African woman, um, have you experienced any prejudice or racism? Um, well, what are your thoughts around those those issues? Uh, my perception of the Chinese before, um, I didn't really have much of an opinion, I'd say, because China seemed so far away and I'd say Okay, the Chinese are very friendly to begin with. Um, I admire their tenacity and their work ethic. That's something that's very admirable. They work hard. That's um, something that you can't deny. Um, but, and I say but, no, 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 And she's speaking from a position of love, Chinese people. She is not going to say anything bad about Chinese people, so don't, don't you worry about that. No. <laughs> um, but I'm jumping straight into um, the prejudices part. But I think uh, I think every African or black person who's either lived in China or lives in China um, will have the same answer when this question is asked. Um, yes, of course, there's a bit of um, prejudice or racism if you want to use that word, um, indirect, uh, sometimes directly, but then it's, it's um, I think it also uh, depends on the individual. If you take it seriously or if you, I, I sometimes, I feel that if you accept it and if you, if you take notes, sometimes you can just ignore it because sometimes it's, it's just small things like, um, people pointing at you and yeah, commenting about your race or um, taking pictures, of course. Can I ask about that? Um, it, in the context of, of, of China, where, where difference is so highlighted upon, and I'm going to play devil's advocate here, um, be, when people point and talk about you and take pictures of you, how much of that do you feel is is based on, for lack of a better term, racism or 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 just a sense of otherness? Um, and not that I disagree with you, because like sometimes when I when I go out to 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 areas that don't see a lot of foreigners, I get that same feeling, and I hate it. Um, but uh, I I wanted to get your perception because I'm I'm not a black African, and it might mean something different to you than it might mean to me. Um, when it comes to, with the Chinese, I guess sometimes, you know, um, I think they just genuinely haven't been around many black people. I think that's just what it is. So then when you do get to see a black person, you want to 
I don't know, memorabilia or something. So it's not, I don't think it's actually intended to offend, you know. So in the beginning, it's a bit uh, off-putting, but then you get used to it. <laughs> Yeah. So do you feel yeah. like a, a, then, an unknown course, celebrity but now? <laughs> but then it's a bit different when I mean son. Sorry? <laughs> oh, I was saying, do you feel like an unknown celebrity now? Oh, freaking. Hang on. <laughs> Hello? Hello? Yeah. Are you there? Uh, are you there? Yeah, yeah, we're still here. There's a little bit of feedback, but Winslow can cut that out. I will be cutting out a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I know that I, for one, would, like, if people were, were, were pointing and taking pictures, I'd stop and start posing for them. I'd ah! be worth their while. crazy and I've always been that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, I think in their defense, well, but this, I, so I want to move away from, from these sort of, these actions not designed to uh, offend or, or hurt you, to were there any actions taken by people that were meant to make you feel bad or make you feel unwelcome? Okay. Um, yes, I, I, I think. Or maybe, maybe they weren't intentional, but I did get offended. Um, when someone came up to me and rubbed my, <laughs> rubbed my hand to see if um, my color, my skin color flake off onto their finger. Did your skin color flake off? That is the question. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you heard it here first. Black people's skin does not flake off if you rub it. I, I think we've we really made a breakthrough breakthrough here in, in terms of um uh knowledge of, of human anatomy. And race relations. And race relations. And I think we've solved all of the world's problems right here in this conversation. We should just wrap this up and, and, and close this off. No, we have a few more questions, so we're going to stay on. Uh, well, all right, all right, give us the context of, of that situation. What happened? Who was it? How did it make you feel? It was, okay, it was um, in the subway on my way home. So it was just a random person. The man, woman, old, young, or do you remember it all? Or woman, but older, which was a bit strange. But I guess, yeah, older, older, almost like um, my grandmother's age. Mm-hmm. somewhere there. But I think I felt. Because I think I was the only black person um, in that carriage, so I guess that's why I felt. And then, because then everybody was looking on, <laughs> you know, 
Oh man, I'm 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 really sorry. That that, that sounds like a, it must have been a pretty pretty bad experience. Um, wait, let me let me let me tell you a, a story really quickly. I want to see if there's any sort of parallel thing that happened to you. Um, so one time I was with my wife who was Chinese, and this is in Chengdu. We we're trying to catch a cab, and and it's a sort of parallel situation in the U.S. trying to be black and catch a cab in a major city. Not the same, but sometimes similar. But basically, this taxi cab, um, like, is going to disembark, and like, is going to disembark in the taxi spot. And with my wife and I trying to flag the the dude down, and the dude just races past, doesn't want to flag down. And I'm like, oh well, whatever. You know, taxi drivers are uncool, but that's fine. And actually, a lot of taxi drivers in China are very cool. I, I take that back. That, that actually happens in China as well. So, <laughs> so, all right, well, then let me, let me finish because this is where it gets interesting. So the guy stops like a block a, 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 away from me. The passenger gets out and another passenger gets in. The passenger who got out like yells to my wife, hey, this guy didn't want to pick up the foreigner. Isn't that crazy? Now, and then what? And then like when when my wife told me, like I exploded in rage. Now, um, you know, I I that was I shouldn't have uh, done that, but like that, there are a number of situations in in, in China that I faced, and and most people, it, this has not happened. This is like a very very few times, very rare. But there have been a few situations where, as a foreigner, I was put in positions to to make me feel better or unwelcome. Did anything like that ever ever happen to you? I mean, you, you talked about rubbing the skin, but anything that like a really a situation designed just for you to make you feel, hey, get out of here. Well, there was a time actually we were in. Uh, I think it's like a pub or a restaurant, like near the university area, and it was a me and a group of friends, Zambians too. It wasn't directed at. I well. There's there's two, two things I, I, I want I wanted to add add to to, to what you just said. Okay, so like one is I mean there there have been there have been situations when when um, you know Chinese people will definitely stand up for you if if they feel someone is being unfair to you yeah. and and that's and that's happened. So the the waitress kind of stepping in I, I I've seen happen. The other thing is is that I've seen a lot of uh, white foreigners treat Africans pretty badly in in China um, as as well. Um, so I don't want this to make it seem like you know the Chinese are particularly unique in this case. But but there are some really awful foreigners who I mean I who said stuff that really upset me um, about black people about Africans while while I was living in China. Um, so I just I just wanted to put that out there. So we've talked a lot about um, some of the difficulties of life in China and in Beijing. Um, what experiences made your transition into life in China easy? Like, what were what were the good things? What were the things outside of your the opportunity for a great education and the start of a wonderful career? Um, what things made it worth your while? What what things made you think you know I'm really happy to be here at this point in my life? You know, actually, immediately after I started to learn Chinese, everything was easier. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Once you learn the language, it's like 
everybody talks to you because of course normally I think it's 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 just language barrier. I mean if you can't communicate it's not because people are being unfriendly. They just don't understand. <laughs> yeah. So once you learn the language that breaks down lots of barriers. Mm. So learning the language and then moving around, traveling to different cities and trying Chinese cuisine, making Chinese friends, stuff like that. And oh, another thing. I noticed that uh, whenever I was in a situation that was potentially sticky or a place where I would have to like wait in line for stuff, whenever I showed my student card, immediately, they served me, I was served like immediately. It just made things so much easier. Wow. Oh, that's interesting. There's a value for education within the culture that trumps obviously the, the the race card. Sorry to use that, that terminology. But um, no, that, that's really quite fascinating. We didn't know this. It's good to know. Can, can, can you give an, a, a specific example of like when you flashed that card? Like what did, what did you get? I went to reapply for my uh, visa. And normally, um, it's long lines and everything. And I was at the back of the line, but then they, they were coming like one, one, one. They were coming to the back, from the front to the back, from the front. And then they saw my ID and my card. They oh, come to the front, blah, 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 like that. So I skipped the queue. Oh. So That, that 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 sounds pr- pretty darn pretty darn cool. I should get me one of those cards when I'm in China because the lines are rough. Well, I I wanna I wanna maybe talk a little bit about something that 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 might only interest me. But what was it like being a African woman? In China, because most—I mean, most of the stories or, or most of the Africans in China um, uh, things that I hear about related to men. Uh, but but everything that that you might want to comment on, what was it like being a, an African woman, and, and for, for for good and and and, and for bad, or, or observations that things that you felt happened to the men that didn't happen to you, or happened to you that didn't happen to the men. I think it's easier to be. Yeah, an African male in China than an African female because that's where all the actually all the stares, all the attention is directed to the women because of our hair and everything else, shape because we're more round and I mean stuff sticks out more. And, <laughs> and I think. You have people like, is this real? Is this, you know, stuff like that. Well, that's, yeah. But body, they want to know if body parts are real? Like, yes, yes, yes. Like you go for a massage and then. <laughs> 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 Experience. <laughs> Those must have been really awkward massages. My, my it, rough impression is that, um, I, I heard that the men are, are, are treated in a particular way um, because of the fact that are men that, you know, they're, there's, an, I've seen a lot of um, Chinese people accuse uh, African men of, of being criminals. 
um, and of doing bad things to women. So, in in that sense, uh, I w I was under the impression that maybe an African woman might be kind of freed from from those sorts of ideas. Like um, there was a, a young, actually a, a Zambian, uh, a Zambian uh, young Zambian gentleman I, I met, who like. Mm -hmm. Everyone was convinced, you know, was 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 a criminal, was dealing drugs, um, and like, and some like he got drunk one night, and some people beat him up, and it was I, I was told because a gangster thought he was making a pass at a gangster's woman, but I have like I actually can't say that's actually what happened. He could have just you know gotten drunk and fell down or or whatever, but um, but I. No, this is, this is in um, in uh, Myanmar. Um, oh. I I actually know very very little about Beijing, but basically the, the the accumulation of experiences that I've seen is that being an African woman, because you're not there to deal drugs or to you know rape Chinese women, gives give uh, gives you a freedom that African men don't have, but. Um, I I only met one African woman. I never I talked to her about this. A, a Ghanaian woman. So I wanted to ask you: um, Are my impressions accurate or not? Or or um, or or if, if anything you'd like to to add to what I said? I agree with what you're saying, and that, and also to add on, I think it's also because. Well, I, like in China, it's it's um it's more common to see if we're talking about like couples, it's more common to see um, a Chinese woman, a black man, or white woman, black man, but never the other way around. You you hardly see uh, a black woman and Chinese man. Have you? In China. Not, n nah, no, I, I, I never saw it. Oh, right. <laughs> well, you lived in China. Have you ever, uh, did you ever see that? I mean, you lived in Beijing, which is far more cosmopolitan than, than the place I lived. No, actually, like walking down the street, or, no. Well, then, I, do you do you want to talk about treatment or do you want to talk about dating? Because both these subjects are very interesting on uh, that, and I think you would offer some good perspectives. You, which which one? Let's go dating. All right, let's talk about let's talk about dating then. <laughs> Dr. Kalu, why don't you lead in with a dating question? Marianne, please let us know about your dating experiences while in China. <laughs> Everything PG thirteen. <laughs> I wasn't asking that. No, well. Dating experience in China. I, I, there's nothing to draw from. Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, so yeah, talk talk about what dating is. I don't know what to. Well, Winslow, carry on. <laughs> no, well, Dr. Kalu has to find question. Let's let's go with that. So, how many Chinese men have you dated? <laughs> I didn't go there. I. Let me say, I think it, it, it's harder for it's harder for a black uh, woman to date in China. 
let me say there's not so much variety because then um, it seems all the men, whatever race, all want um, um, all the different types of women except black women. I, I, w I would like to interject that um, in the U.S. I, I hear that um, complaint a lot as well because of our pretty sordid racial history and, and what we've done with black women's bodies. But uh, continue. And so um, if, if there's a situation, like if a Chinese um, man is interested in a black woman, they'll probably have a private private relationship but not make it public because of fear of what people will say because then they'll say oh why is this why is this black man at this Chinese man is it because of money is it because of this and why is this um Chinese man or this black woman I mean she's dark she's not beautiful blah 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 you know stuff like that so it, it, on both sides is is it as simple as this woman is dark she's not beautiful um like, it, it, is that, I, I mean, is, is that a, a thing that, that, that is really sad? Oh, wow. Yes. Mm. Like, let me tell you, there's once um, me and my workmate um, were outside, and, you know, it had been cold for some time, and then, like, for the, one of the first, like, I mean, the sun had come up, like, and it hadn't done so in, like, so long. So I'm standing outside, and I said, come stand in the sun. And then she's like, no, no, I'll get dark. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I don't like dark. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, the, um, I'm black, hello. <laughs> the, the amount of parasols I, I, I saw when I was in um, Chengdu or Mianyang, um, really, really cracked me up, and and I I would argue with my my Chinese wife about um, their their utility, um, but but yes, I yeah I've I definitely heard a, I do not want to get dark um, comments from from very many of my my female friends. Uh, well then, like, but you you said. A Chinese man, if he wants to be with a, an African woman, like it's it's done very privately. That means you've seen it done, right? Yeah. Well, I have. Yes, I actually yes, I have heard about it, but not seen like in pu public, but yeah, in private. Yes. Oh. Not, not outside for anybody. Oh, and. Because of being judged or whatever. Well, okay. Can, can you give a little background on like how relationships work out in, in China and, and why approval's important? Because that's something that maybe uh, our American audience might not really understand. Okay. Um, I think, okay, if, I'm, if we look at um, the situation between, okay, it's a black woman and a um, Chinese man. You know, there's this stereotype about, it all goes back to um, how men are <clears throat> endowed. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, iTunes is never going to approve this podcast. It's a very honest conversation. 
conversation. Okay, there. continue, continue. <laughs> okay, okay, fine. So that's what it's based around, I think, from what I've seen and heard. But, but, but wouldn't the implication be that this black woman reject Chinese men then? Or is it that Chinese men maybe don't feel adequate enough? It, it, it works both ways. They feel that people would think that they're just with this man for his money or for, I don't know. No, I, that's, I'm... And not because... Like, I've met a lot of really fantastic Chinese, um, Chinese men who, who have been really fantastic Chinese boyfriends and, and, and that, you know, that, 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 that really saddens me that for all these reasons that you, you mentioned it, it, you know, uh, the, this dating pool is, is closed off to them. Then, well, before oh. um, we have our conversation censored by Beijing, maybe we'll <laughs> talk about political relationships between China and Africa. Um, what are your thoughts, having, having worked in Beijing and worked in, um, in business journalism? And business really is at the heart of a lot of the interaction that's going on right now between um, Chinese government and enterprise and African counterparts. What are your thoughts on the relationship? And um, how do you think that African can, Africans can best take advantage of um, the opportunities that China presents? This is like a 90 degree, you know, about 180 degree from, turn from our conversation. But um, what are your thoughts? <laughs> I think um, in order for in order for Africans to take take advantage of its um, opportunities, uh, we need to find a way of um, portraying. Uh, as not just um, poor countries um, needing aid and and and, and uh, yeah financial support and everything you know because that's that's the that's the view that everybody has because I mean that when, when you say everybody you mean everybody in Beijing when I say everybody I mean um, the West um, everywhere like worldwide. So e even in China, that that viewpoint is prevalent. Yes, I think more than yeah, more than ever. Oh. Because you don't get um, you don't get to see um, any um, uh, actually only bit, uh, recently um, was now the CCTV Africa is not part of like CCTV, but still as in the main. Um, the programs still show, um, it's just programs with uh, war, poverty, you know, the same old story. But mm. nothing that really shows uh, the African side of this China Africa trade. You see stories about um, the Chinese giving policies to African students, um, refurbishing and um, building new infrastructure, but you don't. Um, I, I mean, I'm I'm a little shocked to hear that because I thought the whole idea behind CCTV Africa was we're going to give an African point of view and we're going to make Africa look different and because, you know, we're Chinese, we don't have this colonial baggage and we don't have this, this sort of NGO development baggage and we're going to change the way 
Africans think of Africa and then it will change the way Chinese people think of Africa. But what you just said kind of contradicts that. Yes, exactly. That was the aim. But if you sit and watch um, CCTV Africa, it's no different from any other programs that show you what Africa is about. You know, like it, right now they're covering the, the recent um, terrorist attacks in Kenya. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stories like that are the ones that make it to CCTV. Oh, wow. I... Terrorist attacks, um, Somalia and their problems, and you never, so other, yeah, only, yeah, the hot country is there. Wow, the I'm... Covered, but nothing... I, I'm re I'm quite surprised. Anything you wanted to add to... The, to your earlier point. Oh, to that. Um, how um, the media really um, frames or shapes opinion uh, in China. Ever seen in the media is what's taken as possible. You work in the media. What are the sort of things that you think you can do to, to help shape that narrative? Um, to help um, help tell the African story, I guess, because um, you can't change perceptions if you're not telling um, your story. So I think, yeah, that's partly to blame for how um, Africans are sometimes perceived, because the story is not being told um, as well as it should be, I feel. I think that's actually a good um, closing remark, for and for us to, to get to the, the end of the show, we're going to start out by giving our recommendations. Dr. Kalu, do you have any recommendations for this week? Um, I do actually. I have um, an updated report from Standard Bank on BRICS nations and their trade with Africa. And um, I also have an article that um, talks about um, Nigeria's annual power needs and the need for funding beyond outside of banks because there's not enough capital in banks to actually meet the um, power demands of the Nigerian populace. Um, those are my recommendation, my recommended readings for this week. I, I, at the U.S. Africa Business Summit where I was working at, there, like, there was a doing business in Nigeria forum and the entire conversation was about the energy sector and how how great a sector it is, um, and and I mean, after attending that sector, if I had if I had some some money throwing around, I would definitely throw it in to Nigerian uh, power because at some, Nigeria's got a big population, and a lot of them like electricity. That's quite true. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mary Marianne, um, is there anything that you would like to recommend to our listeners for? Basically, anything that caught your eye this week? No, I really recommend what um, Dr. Kali has recommended. <laughs> I like to see that both of you are, are, are working so well together um, for this podcast. I, 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 We've I... had years of practice. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recommend something really quickly. Um, it's called A Kenyan's Tales from the Beijing Subway by a little-known China-Africa specialist by the name of Bob Wakesa. Actually, I'm joking. Bob Wakesa is pretty well-known, and he was a guest last week, and he wrote this 
post for the blog China and Africa, the real story, Dr. Deborah Brodingham's blog, and he's just talking about being a black man in the Beijing subway and um, and some of the same sort of issues that, that you were talking about, um, Marianne. And uh, and and one of the things that he 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 talked about was um, what to do when people are staring at him, um, and and he just said just to look directly at them and make eye contact. But I, I th it's a very it's a it's a very fun piece, a very well written piece, a very clever piece, and and as you say, like more Africans have to tell their story. Yeah, I I agree. More Africans should be telling their story about their experiences in in China and something. Hopefully, this podcast can help. Um, facilitate. Uh, before we sign off, how do people find you on the internet, Marianne? Uh, do you have a website or a Twitter account? Who are you writing for? What would you like to share with us? Um, you can find me on Facebook. <laughs> I think that's easiest. <laughs> do, you, do you want us to actually share your like Facebook name? A LinkedIn account? Or LinkedIn, yeah. Yeah, LinkedIn's probably better. That's a little more, um, less personal. Okay. <laughs> All right, Dr. Kalu, what about yourself? Um, I have been tweeting up a storm, and I even know the right words to use when it comes to Twitter. So I guess I'm not quite the Luddite that I thought I was. Um, I'm, I can be found on Twitter, and can I'm E. Kalu, and I am also on LinkedIn, and um, I blog for um, myself and also for calories and rights. <laughs> this week is the week I finally take some of your blogging and put it on my blog. I've been meaning to do it for a month, but I keep forgetting. But this is the week. I can Wonderful. feel it. Um, and, and soon you, your blogging will be part of the calories and rice empire. Um, if you want to find me, uh, I can be found on my blog, uh, Cowries and Rice. Uh, it's cowriesrice.blogspot.com. And my Twitter handle is uh, Winslow underscore R. Uh, and I basically tweet about China Africa stuff 90% of the time, and 10% of the time is just total nonsense. Um, but it's fun nonsense. I, uh, but yeah, if, if you want to talk to me, fine. Oh! Something really, really cool. I met somebody at a China Africa event on Wednesday, and I gave them my business card. And then when I sent an email follow-up with them, they're like, oh, I already read your blog. It's so cool to finally meet you. And that made me feel pretty sweet. Um, all right. That is about it for today's episode. We would like to thank Marianne for uh, joining us this uh, afternoon and evening. I mean, what, what time is it over there? It should be 8.30. 2030. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, a very good evening to you, and, and thank you so much for this. Uh, we'd also like to thank uh, African Development Jobs and the Africa Daily. Uh, this podcast can be found on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and um, we have actually applied to put this up on iTunes, but I have not gotten anything back on this, and I'm sure after this episode we are not going to get approved, but you know, until we're officially rejected. We just, 
<laughs> we just might. <laughs> we we just we just might make it. Um, we would also like to thank Mighty Mike of Pulse Recordings for uh, composing the soundtrack. And we'd really like to thank you, dear listener, for giving us your time. Take care. Thank <laughs> you.